So I was rolling around in my head all week, and it took me until actually this time last night before I actually got anything down. Um, anytime I, I, I speak, and um, it's usually things that are, are what God has been talking to me about. <laughs> um, and I hope that the things that God's talking to me about might be applicable to you as well, because, yeah, that's, that's the only place I have to come from. So I think the last time I spoke, um, and it wasn't even part of the message, it was the, this passage that I'm going to be speaking on this morning was brought up, and it's, like I said, been rattling around in my head for a while. Um, and it's taken from Micah, um, and we're going to read that in a few minutes. But I have, as, as Ross sometimes does, I have a prelude to what I'm going to speak to tonight, or this morning, rather. And, um, yeah, so before we take a look at the passage, um, I like to talk about prophets in general because Michael was a prophet. Um, uh, there's major and minor prophets, and it's not because of their importance that they're major or minor prophets. It's because of the length of the book. So um, Micah is one of the minor prophets. Um, but I also like to take a quick look at what actually a prophet is. Um, we have lots of uh, things that we think a prophet is, I think. Um, and, uh, and some of them, I mean, I think they're all correct. It's just that there's maybe a slight tweak on that that I'd like to bring up this morning. So when we think of prophets, we often think of them as the guys that told the future. You know, these people that talked all about, you know, what's going to happen. And, you know, we, we see in the, in the prophetic books um, them foretelling about Jesus' coming. We see, like, particularly in Daniel, he talks a lot about what's going to happen in the end times, and there's all of these, these things. And yes, they do tell the future often, um, but that's only really one part of what they do. And if we look at the, the books of the prophets, um, all of them are, are calling people, calling God's people back to him. That's, that's the, the role that they are playing. It's always about Israel has gone down a wrong road and they've got to bring, you know, tell them to come back to God. And usually this whole part of them telling uh, what's going to happen has to do with what Israel's going to do with the, the, the words they have, the, the words that God wants to share with them. I looked at uh, the definition of a prophet because I like to look at those things and see what actually it says out there. And the definition, um, one of the definitions that I found was a person who speaks for God. So I think that is actually a really basic thing. And how that person speaks for God is up to how God wants to speak through them, right? Um, whether it be telling of something. But primarily, you know, we need to recognize that it's about calling people back to God. So this may be a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why is it important for God's people to come back to him? You know, if we're saved... You know, we've, we've come, you know, we, we've kind of checked that box, right? We're going to heaven, so what, you know, why is it important that we're following him, right? Like, what, what's, 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 the, what's the point of it? Um, and I think that actually opens a whole other conversation um, about what our purpose is here. Like, why are we here? Why, why did God create us in the first place? Does anybody know? Anybody want to throw those out? He, he loves us. He loves us? Okay, yeah, that's a good reason. What, 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 why do you think we're here? Further the kingdom. Further well. the kingdom, okay, yeah. Honor us to walk through us. He wants to walk through us. He wants to, sorry. He wants to work through us, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody else want to throw anything out? He's he's just, just honor. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. Make disciples of nations. Yeah. There's, there, I think there's all kinds of purposes we have, and you're right, um, and all of you
to glorify and worship him. Mm. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be to be to live for him to worship him. Um, actually, if we look at the Ten Commandments, we're all familiar with those, right? Exodus yes. twenty. Um, the very first commandment is, and I'm going to read it front for you, uh, starting at verse three. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So God wants our whole focus to be on him, like undivided attention. Um, there's a famous quote um, from, I'm, I, I don't know, like the early 2010s, I guess, um, John, from John Piper that says, mission exists because worship doesn't. And um, it's been used all kinds of places all over the, I've heard a lot because, I, of course, I come from a missions world. But um, what it's saying really is that the, the command to make disciples, the, the, the command that Jesus gave us to make disciples, it exists because there are people that don't worship him. Right? Like that's, that's our job to do because we don't have everybody worshiping God. And that's his desire that all of us will worship him. So I'm going to go back to my original question and actually start the, start the message. But, um, so going back to my question, why is it important for God's people to come back to him? And as I said, the foundational answer is that, that we, he wants us to worship him. And it's important because we have a job to do, as Alvin said, to show the world that Amen. Jesus is Amen. who he is so that they can worship him too. Amen. So that's my introduction, but we're going to read uh, Micah 6. If you'd like to turn with me, you can. Um, I'm going to read the first eight verses of Micah chapter 6. Um, I'm going to read from the New King James Version this morning. And we're going to start. So hear now what the Lord says. Arise. Plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O you mountains, the Lord's complaint, and you strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a complaint against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you, and how have I wearied you? Testify against me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent, sent before you Moses Aaron and Miriam. O my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, from Acacia Grove to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I have an echo. Close the app, Lorna. Just close the app altogether. Not <laughs> Got it? Okay. <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, yes. Reading back, I feel 
Okay, all right. Uh, where shall I start? Just the last verse eight? Or? I, I, will, I will start from verse six and read again. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. So this passage starts out with words of the Lord lodging a complaint against Israel. You know, about them walking away from him. Um, he says, Oh my people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? I thought that's a very interesting question. How have I wearied you? Um, he could be saying, why have you become complacent? Why are you not passionate? Why are you not seeking after me? Why are you not loving me and worshiping me? He could be saying that. <laughs> Those are my words. Um, he then goes on to remind them of all the amazing things that he's done for them, right? He talks about um, bringing them out of the land of Egypt, freeing them from bondage, and all of those things. He wants to stir in them those memories to realize, you know, that he is worthy to be praised, that he is, he is their God. He is the one that they should be loving wholeheartedly with undivided attention. And then you go, he goes on, the prophet says, what shall I, how shall I come before the Lord? How can I restore this relationship? Um, he's asking how much he needs to bring to the Lord in order to be at peace with him again. And it's interesting because he kind of starts small and he works his way up. You know, he starts with, you know, what if he brings some calves a year old and then he's talking about thousands of rams and tens of thousands of oil, all of these things that um, to restore this relationship, what can I bring to the Lord to, to, uh, to restore this relationship? He even goes so far as to say, if I give you my firstborn, you know, it reminds you of the, the story of Abraham give, you know, being willing to <laughs> offer up his firstborn. But none of these are what God wants to restore relationship with him. Now, I just want to mention this before I go on. This is not about salvation, okay? No. This is not about how we can, what we can do to earn our salvation. Yeah. That mm -hmm. He is talking to his people already, okay? So these are his people. These are always, you know, in this case, it's Israel. But in our case, it's us, us. believers of him, followers of Christ. Right. This is restoring our relationship with him. So he says, and I'm going to read this verse again. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. So I'm going to take a look at each of these things just really briefly, just to unpack it a little. Um, we can take it at face value, but I think we need to just kind of look a little bit closer. So what does it mean to do justly? Um, in some translations, actually, it doesn't say to do justly. It says to do what is right. That's some, some translations say that. And again, the dictionary defines it as just as be behaving according to what is morally right and fair. So what is morally right and fair in our Christian worldview? Right? We look at the commandments. We look at God's word. We look at the things that Jesus has told us to do. Um, in John 14, verses 15, and then verse 21, I'm just going to jump around. <clears throat> it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Love it. Mm -hmm. And verse 21 says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Mm 
So do justly. Follow God's follow the rules set forth by our by our Savior. So how about loving mercy? So mercy is defined as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So we often think of mercy in terms of God and his salvation for us in that we deserved <laughs> death, but yet his mercy on us was such that he died so that we could be reconciled to him, right? But let's look at it in terms of how we love mercy, okay? So think of people who would deserve punishment or deserve our wrath or our anger. Um, Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You have heard what it, is, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Mm -hmm. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, mm -hmm. do good to those who hate you, Amen. and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, Amen. that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. And the last one, walk humbly with your God. I think this is the basis upon which the other two are built, really. If we're not walking humbly with our God, we can't love mercy and we can't do justly. That's true. Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Another require. <laughs> but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him. <clears throat> to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. <coughs> Excuse me. And Matthew 22, this is one that's very familiar to us. Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. So the book, <coughs> the book is all about Micah calling Israel, God's people, back to God. So we who are Christ followers are also God's people, as I said before. We are the bride of Christ, the church, with a capital C, not any one church, the church. The church. If we look at the state of the church today, which is us, which is me, we are much like Israel was then. We have walked away from God in many ways. We don't do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God often. We often walk away from the truths of God's word. We often don't love others like we should. Mm -hmm. We often don't worship God in a way that will attract others to him. That's true. We have become lukewarm and ineffective in many ways. Revelation 3, 15 to 21, another familiar passage, talks about the lukewarm church. I know your works, that you are neither hot, sorry, cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, 
and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I'm going to repeat that. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. God is calling us, his people, to walk with him, to dine with him. Both of these are very descriptive of a close relationship, is it not? Those are the people that we like to eat with or the people who are close to us that we want to spend time with. He longs for us to worship him completely, without distraction, and with undivided attention. So, I'm going to ask some questions. I'm not necessarily looking for answers, but we're welcome to open it up as we always do. Um, we'll hear, hear from God, because we hear from God from his word, we hear from God from each other, and we can hear the spirit as he's moving here this morning. So, are you lukewarm? Am I lukewarm? These are questions I'm pointing at myself. This is not just for you. Is God calling you back to him as he did Israel through the prophets? Will you respond to his call? He says he stands at the door and knocks. I will. We have been praying for a long time for a mighty movement of his spirit here, right? A lot of us have been praying for a while for that. But are we willing to cry out to God for his mercy on us? To repent of the things in our lives and in our churches that are not pleasing to him. To repent for being lukewarm. Are we willing to do justly, to love mercy and walk humbly with our God? And that's what I have this morning, because that's what God's been asking me. Amen. And um, I, I don't know that I have good answers for all of those yeah. questions. <laughs>